Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a movie directed by a child. A little baby. A little baby made a movie with a bunch of little babies. And oh, it's so cute. It, it's really cute. Yeah. Like if it was made by a bunch of adults, then we'd just be like, wow, okay. But it's made by babies. So we're like, it's it's giving student film energy. <laughs> yeah, it is. So the film was, it's from 2011. It's a comedy horror film called My Sucky Teen Romance written oh let's see if it was um written and directed by emily haggins yeah she wrote and directed it good good and she is now she is now 27 she made this film when she was 19 i i know this because in 2011 i was i 19 in 2011 are we just only like a few months apart in age that might be true i i was like 18 or 19 in 2011 yeah so I, I'm i trying to imagine what it would have been like if I had made a movie at that time in my life. And I feel like it would be just like this, except... Actually, no. I don't know if it would be just like this. I mean, I think, like, in terms of quality, it might have been like this. It definitely wouldn't have white people in it because I wasn't interested in putting them in my stuff ever. <laughs> I think that's valid. <laughs> Never been interested in like, like I usually write like one token white guy and then that's really it. <laughs> than anything yeah, like I'll throw one in there just to get him to shut up. I'll throw it in there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like 2011, 19 years old, making a film. Like I think I made a short film at around that time. Yeah. I made, uh, <laughs> I made a music video when I was like, well, I was younger than her when I made stuff. When I was, like, 17, I made, like, a short film, a music video, like, a few different things, and I loved directing. It was really fun. And, yeah, they weren't good quality. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So I can't imagine trying to do a full-length film. Because, um, like, with a music video or something, you can make something fun um, without having it be really good. But for a full-length film, you know, you need, you need like, a... Uh, actors who can act and all of those things and so I I just like when I first started watching this I didn't realize that the director and writer was 19 when she made this and so I was like wow this is giving intense iMovie energy and then I um and I was thinking about student films that I've been in or that I've watched and then I uh I looked her up but I was like oh okay yeah <laughs> this is my, my this, critique is going to be much different now that I know this. <laughs> this is actually her fourth film and her third feature. So she was already like accomplished before that. Her films before that were Pathogen, that's a feature, Party Killer, which is a short, and then um, The Retelling from 2010, which is another feature. And she went on to make more, she still makes films. Um, she did a feature in 2013 called Grow Up, Tony. Phillips um let's see is this she's like contributed to anthologies um one called Chilling Visions from 2015 
She directed a film called Coin Heist in 2017. Like, she has a short in in VHS, you know, the, um, the, the horror anthology. And she has a short in Scare Package, which is a pretty recent horror anthology that's on Shudder. So this is a person. Wow, who, I'm like, impressed. She has, she has been working since she was a teen, and she's very serious about this and continues to do it. And you know what? I, this, oh, here's the thing. This is not a good movie, but like her instincts, I think are good. I agree. Um, There are a lot of aspects of the movie where I was like, okay, if this was shot better, you know, or it had better actors or like if other aspects of the movie were better quality then some of the plot arcs and some of the little comedic moments would have hit. Um, So I agree with you. I think she has some good instincts and like it wasn't something where I watched it and I was like, why would any of these choices be made? I was just like, okay, this, you know, it's, it's not working, but I see what she's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, trying to figure out the best way to talk about it. Like there, there are a lot of shots that are like really good too. Like, like she's really trying and like uh, better shots than I would have made during the time. But I think the interesting thing about this film is that she's doing a romance, right? And so the logistics of a teenager being able to have like romantic situations like we watch a lot of stuff where it's like teens are like constantly like with each other and like having sex and like sneaking out and the parents are not there i actually find this movie to be really realistic in the sense that of course a convention would be the place where they can all kind of do what they want because there's no parents there yeah exactly it answers that question for you in one fell swoop instead of just having this universe where a bunch of teens hang out at mansions and there's never a parent around (laughs) like and i and the time like they're just like at this convention called space con and i I love that it's just called space con like they were just like here's a name i know (laughs) i'm gonna go with it (laughs) i wonder what actual convention they were at like what convention space because it was clear that they shot this like at a convention so i wonder which one i yeah, and that in itself was probably really expensive yeah like i've only really spent a lot of time in one convention which is dragon con which is like one of the largest um conventions in like the south like so it's it's basically like comic con in georgia and it, it was it was really good. Like, and there were like scenes where I was just like, "Huh, I wonder this could have been a Dragon Con." I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it def. I, I definitely thought the settings in the movie were well done. Yeah, and <laughs> the grocery store and the diner. You know, these were. I mean, they were real places. It was very obvious. And it's like it's very clear that she's like. She's interested in, like, the settings. Like, she's interested in exploring them. She doesn't, like, shoot them flatly. Like, she's clearly, like, making choices and, like, is trying to, like, get a sense of the space and give us a sense of the space, which I think is good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the story. <laughs> the story. It- I, you know, you... Let me see if you can summarize the story. Yeah, I mean, so the story opens up and 
there's like a woman she like a young teen who like is crying because like she just had a bad date and this guy like deserted her and then there's this like you know very like James fake kind of discount James Dean like vampire guy we don't know he's a vampire yet um, you know, he's got like the gelled hair and he goes up to her outside the diner and he's just like doing the like he's he's doing basically the street harassment thing in movies that's supposed to work where he's like, if I was your man, I would never leave you. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. And then he invites her to get on his motorcycle and then he like shows us his teeth. So we know he's a vampire. And that's like the beginning of the movie is like, OK. He- Okay, so this kid looks like that, like, terrifying kid from Euphoria and the kissing booth, that, like, grown man who's, like, playing teeth, that tall, like, do you know who I'm talking about? (laughs) No, I haven't watched Euphoria. No, but we, okay, so the kissing booth, the one that she ends up with in the kissing booth, the really, like, predatory one. Oh, yeah, the abusive one, yeah. Yeah, He looks like that guy. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He totally looks like that guy. He has, like, that same kind of face shape and everything, and um, just, like, this certain, it's, like, movies that are made in the last 10 years that are trying to do this, like, 50s hot guy thing. Like, this is what a guy, like a white guy from the 50s that was considered hot looked like. So we're just going to just kind of pick a guy with a face similar to that. Um, so that's that's the beginning. And, you know, it's implied that that was in the 50s. And then now we're in the present. And um, the two main characters, Kate and what's her friend's name? The blonde girl, Kate and Allison. OK, so they're talking. You know, love, they're, they're, love Allison. <laughs> oh yeah, Allison was great. I also think that Allison was the best at acting. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, she she felt her role felt the most lived in. Whereas a lot of them, you know, I mean, they they were they were saying the lines. They were uh, yeah the yeah. The actress who plays Allison, Lauren Lee, like she sa- like she sounded like she had just like walked off the Disney lot and she's just like, fine, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here she's to like, elevate this project. She's like, I love acting and um, I'll take another project. That's fine. <laughs> um, so Kate and Allison are, you know, they're teens and they're a little boy crazy. And they're talking about, Allison's trying to talk Kate into like going to Space Con and She's like, no, it'll be really cool. And there'll be all these guys there. And Kate's like, yeah, but they're going to be nerdy. And Allison's like, okay, but there's cute nerdy guys. <laughs> so, you know, we have it set up that they're going to go to this convention. Um, and then it, sh- it shifts to this grocery store shot of Paul. He's, you know, the kind of sweet, dorky comic book guy. And he checks out like Kate is buying something and they have this moment like where they bond over a comic book and it's very cute. I felt like that was the most well done romantic moment was the grocery store moment between them. Um, yeah. Well, I like an interesting thing about this movie. Cause I was thinking about like what I was doing at the time and it's like so much of like nerd dating. Cause like I nerd dating is just like hanging out around each other and like acting like, like sex isn't a thing that you could be doing. Like, so it's just like, we're looking at the same comic book. We're playing video games together. And it's just like, and you can tell that like, I felt like Kate 
so much like wanted more, but this movie kept on like kind of like I don't know. It felt like it was kind of like limiting her a little bit. Like I wanted her to like, you know, she's one of those like little like nerds with the glasses. I know my people who's just like, you can, you can just feel the fan fiction kind of like radiating off of her. Oh, there's total fan fiction energy. And I love that about her. I think that she wanted to have sex, but I also did believe that she like, didn't really know how to make it happen. And she had a crush on this guy who's also like, sweet and awkward and doesn't really know how to make it happen and so that to me felt realistic like I felt like it was underneath the surface that she wanted more but the movie was just like no <laughs> they don't even get that far and also she has uh the, the the other guy who like clearly um is into her the tall one with the kind of like bull cut <laughs> yeah he's a lifeguard and um I guess he seems like he wants to be a doctor or something because he does know a lot about the human body more than a lifeguard would know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, basically she has this connection with Paul at the grocery store and then she leaves. And then the vampire that we saw from the beginning is at the grocery store and there ends up being this really, <laughs> like this really ridiculous like this scene was so weirdly done, I have to say. Um, thing where the vampire is like saying ominous stuff to Paul, like about like, oh, it's like late at night, things are creepy. And then he eventually reveals that he's a vampire, but like the girl, the teen girl who's also working at the grocery store, has a gun. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> She has, like, a gun, and she's, like, shoots at the vampire. I'm, like, okay, we need some explanation for that. And then the vampire, like, heals himself. And then it doesn't show us what happens, but all we know is, like, in the next scene, it's clear that both the grocery store employees, Paul and what's-her-face, I can't remember, are now vampires. And they're going to the convention that Kate and Allison are going to because there's a vampire panel and i guess it's supposed to tell you the truth about vampires okay, and they're so this hoping, panel <laughs> at a panel and they're hoping that they can get like basically unvampired if they go to this panel which is the funny i think that's such a funny plot line like that this panel will save you from like immortal bloodlust yeah this panel um that's the one with harry knowles right mm-hmm so, Harry Knowles, why is he in this? I mean, like, there's, I, you know, as a person that has been moving in nerd circles for a long time, I know that Harry Knowles is, like, shit. He's a piece of shit. Um, So, <laughs> he's a piece of shit who's known for being, like, predatory to women so to know that he's in this movie with all these teens and he gets this like long speech about vampires and he sounds like a fucking idiot the entire like i don't even know if he's supposed to sound like an idiot or if we're supposed to think that he's cool or what's going on but he fucking sucks and i almost feel like he's involved because no one involved in the making of this movie knew that he sucked at the time yeah i was gonna say since it was made nine years ago maybe they just didn't know um this was okay this was made in austin he is like a very big figurehead and like 
Austin film and like uh his he had a blog or maybe he still has the blog called Ain't It Cool News, which was like a nerd blog and I don't know. Like I feel like he's like involved with like Alamo Draft House or Fantastic Fest or something. And I know that recently they've been trying to like distance from him. So I mean like <laughs> it's just so weird. Um Okay, so oh the uh the convention, the actual convention is called Convergent Convergence and it's a specul speculative literature convention. What? I thought it was called SpaceCon. Oh no no no. Oh, oh, oh you're talking about the real I was so confused. Oh, I was like, what? She, she, she uh, pulled, Harry Knowles. Harry Knowles shit. She pulled she pulled on the experience of that. Like a, like it was supposed to be like based on like that experience. Like of her going to like I didn't even know that there were speculative fiction literature. That's cool. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I guess yeah, like they filmed they filmed it in Austin, and Harry Knowles is there, and I don't, I don't know. He sucks. Yeah, yeah, and it is extra creepy that he's in this film with actual teenagers, and he's disgust. He's just disgusting. Like I was just like, can he leave, please? <laughs> this was a pure experience before he showed up. Yeah, he gives off. Like, even if I didn't know bad things about him, like, he just gives off icky energy. I don't know how else to put it. Like, yeah, yeah. away from me. <laughs> uh, so, like, basically they learn that, you know, you get, there's something, you're, you, you're like, in, a proce- in the process of turning, and the thing that turns you, like, officially is if you taste human blood. Um, right, exactly. And, and also, like, if you kill the vampire who turned everyone and they, they think that like, it means that you get turned back. The vampire lore in this is very fuzzy. And like the thing about vampires is that like, there are so many interpretations. So the best thing to do is to just choose your rules and stick with those rules. And make them very clear. Yeah. Right. And since they don't really, since they don't know the rules, it just like, it's just kind of a mess, which I guess is kind of like, uh, like gives to the whole like teen experience. Like you don't know anything. Yeah. And so I guess like in this, like, the thing about it is, is my sucky teen romance is interesting is that it's like aggressively teenage. Like there are things that they don't know and they don't pretend to know them. There's no like random. Yeah, there's no like world wise kind of, there's not even Allison, I would say feels like the teen who's the most kind of like um, worldly I don't, I, I guess that's the word I would use. She feels the most worldly and just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Or like, oh, don't worry about it. But but she doesn't really know what's going on either. And I do, I actually like that part. I like that aspect of them really feeling like teens. But I do think the vampire rules are incredibly confusing. And yeah, my interpretation was pretty much the same as yours. It was that you start turning, you get your fangs, you know, you don't show up in mirrors and all of that. Um after you've been bitten, but you aren't fully and permanently a vampire until you have tasted blood. But if the person who turned you dies before you've tasted blood, then you turn back into a human. Um, 
but it's never in the movie. It's never laid out that clearly. It's kind of just like as the movie moves, you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is how this works. And I mean, the characters are figuring it out too. So that's part of it. But I think it would help a bit for the viewers to have a little more clarity than the characters. Yeah, I agree. Like, because I just don't know what's going on for most of it. And so it's just like a lot of like fussing around. And the screenplay is not tight. Like if we're going to like talk about like filmmaking, I think that the instincts are good. I think that the performances are naturalistic. And I think that that there's a place for that. The script though. I wrote down some lines. Let me pull them up. Um, And like, I feel a little like a bully because they're so young, but at the same time, like 19 year olds can, can write, you know, Um, just, just certain lines where it was like a teen in the beginning of the movie before going to space con to his mom is like, it's just a pop culture phase. <laughs> um, culture phase. Allison trying to get Kate's attention by saying, I'm talking cute boys here. <laughs> um, just yeah, just, like, there's so many moments that are so on the nose. And to be fair, teenagers can talk like that. Like, teenagers can talk very ridiculously. But the dialogue is consistently so on the nose. Um, it makes it hard to... Uh, combined with the fact that... And this is said with love, obviously. Combined with the fact that the acting really isn't good, um, it, it does make it very hard to, like, live in the relationships with, with the teens. Yeah, uh, there's also the elephant in the room is that this is a very, very like post Twilight movie, which is interesting. And because Twilight came out in 2008, well, the well, the movie did, and I mean there were the books and everything, and there was a whole leading up and uh, the hysteria and stuff. And you can tell that um, the director doesn't like twilight and it almost feels like a very like like i i'm not like other girls like i don't i don't like twilight and you know what when you're 19 i'm not like other girls seems really cool so i'm not like it's like you you that's what you were at that age yeah totally um yeah she's like she's like i don't need that narrative i'm gonna give you a more like interesting narrative of and and this again goes back to the instincts being good the idea of a teen getting bitten by her crush but her crush doesn't want to be a vampire and she doesn't and they're trying to get out of it like that's a fun that's a fun plot idea it's just um the dialogue and and the the shots like the the editing um, it's really hard to follow. <laughs> it's re- yeah, it's a really hard movie to follow. I will say though that like most movies that parody Twilight in any kind of way are like bad, like vampires suck and like breaking wind and like all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff is made by like very cynical adults who just think that twilight is stupid and like you can think that twilight is stupid but you have to if you're going to critique it you have to engage with the actual theme so in terms of that i do think that she made a better movie than really any of the adults that were making fun of twilight at the time 
the, like well, the whole movie does feel like its own movie still like but it feels like she thought about like what do I want to make and what do I relate to as a 19 year old which is a lot more interesting to me than you know what is some bored 38 year old think of the teens who like Twilight <laughs> right exactly so like it, it's I, I'm glad that this exists because I think that there aren't really much examples of teens at the time reacting to Twilight and telling their own stories. And I kind of wish that they had because the way that adults have conceptualized Twilight is so, this is just another situation where I just think that adults really just didn't need to be part of it. And the fact that they were is really embarrassing to me. Like let the kids. Absolutely. And like the fact that adults got so mad about Twilight is embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. Like just go to therapy. Like, what are you upset about? Like, like it or you don't it's really not that big of a deal and it's so funny because like people were just like oh this book is gonna like ruin the kids and it's like i read that book when i was in high school i'm reading i'm reading midnight sun now and like it didn't mess with me at all like it's like yeah it's- you know what ruined my childhood <laughs> listening to love line not twilight <laughs> <laughs> listening to dr drew like uh you know talk to 14 year olds and be like are you selling yourself like that's way more traumatic than twilight i don't know i don't understand the pearl clutching and the hand wringing that adults do and i feel like oftentimes it's adults who aren't parents that are worse because parents are too busy raising their kids it's like it's like it's like people in our circles you know like kind of like childless creatives spend too much time online that are just like I oh my god now that, now that I am 28 years old I feel even I think that it's even funnier that people our age actually cared like if I hadn't read it when I was a teenager I wouldn't give a shit about it yeah I mean I've only um I went on a road trip with my cousin uh to Forks and like listened to a Cause she was like really into it. And we decided I was like, yeah, I'll go to Forks. So I listened to the first one on tape and that's all I've gotten of Twilight is the first book. Um, and it was fun. I mean, you know, it like, I didn't have like big intense feelings about it. I was just like, Oh, this is fun. We're going to Forks. Forks is a very pretty place um, in Washington. And yeah, I mean that that's about the extent. And <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, it's just funny. Like, and, and now like seeing people my age react to stuff that is obviously geared towards teenagers and also adults who want to like it. There's nothing wrong with liking it as an adult, but like when your reaction is to hate on something so hard, that's not even for you. Like if you don't like it, it's not for you. Like leave the teens alone something. It's so it's it's weird too because like I watched like I grew up watching a lot of like movies from the eighties that were thirteen that were fourteens at the time, and like it's the kind of stuff in movies that people would like clutch their pearls at now, and it's just like we're going backwards. <laughs> I know, and it's so funny to me. I wonder, like, are we going backwards because teenagers are oversaturated because of? you know, internet access and social media and just like, there's, there's not as many direct lines. So people are trying to draw these arbitrary lines with certain movies. I I don't know. I'm, I, it's, it's kind of fascinating and doesn't really logically add up a lot of the time. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so funny. I'm no, I was just thinking about the whole like discourse about like Edward, like you know, being an abusive boyfriend, and me just like sitting there, just thinking, but he's a he's a vampire. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, well, he's a vampire. This is not right. a human man <laughs> who's like his girlfriend and drawing blood. This is a vampire. Why are you comparing him to a real teenage boy? Like a real teenage boy isn't going to be able to like travel into his love interest bedroom without her noticing. It's like, oh, it's so creepy that he's in her room. Yeah, but like no one else is going to do that. He, he does that because he's a vampire. <laughs> right. And it's also like you can, it's interesting when people find fantasy, they, uh, I think a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable calling out um, abusive art arcs or what they view as abusive tropes in fantasy than in all of the real media we have that have, <laughs> that is like drenched in abusive characters. Like as we know, covering romantic comedies a lot of romantic comedies have abusive dynamics and so it's fascinating to me when people are like okay this vampire or this goblin is abusive and i'm like actually probably your favorite protagonist in a teen movie is abusive and you could just go do that (laughs) right and like you know i'm glad that emily you know made this oh my god i hope that i'm using her name that's her name because i feel like her Her name's emily okay yeah yeah i just want to be like respectful to emily and emily if you're listening to this you know you seem awesome to me you've like accomplished more than i have i am impressed i didn't make a movie at 19 um that's that's a lot of that's really impressive and i think no like my hat is off to emily i think that she's cool as hell i would love to meet her um like it what it seems like though is that like it's a really good thing that she made this movie when she did and not now that she's 27 years old because i almost feel like it would definitely be worse (laughs) Yeah, no, because it's earnest. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's a comedy. Like, she has a comedic sensibility. She's referencing things. She's making fun of things, you know. I mean, she has the missing girl be named Nancy Drew, which is actually her. It's a picture of her. Like, she makes a lot of funny choices, but there's also heart and sincerity that comes from the fact that she is a teenager making this. And I think that if an older person tried to make this, even if they had, you know, a bigger budget or more experience, it would feel less tangible it, yeah it would just feel emotionally strange to me yeah <laughs> this is just like a this is just like a little, I just I just think that this is so cute like, it's cute and like okay so we've just got to the the conference so I feel like we should basically what happens once they're all at the conference is um Kate recognizes Paul, now the vampire, from the grocery store. And so they have these awkward little flirtations. And he's dressed like a Bella Lugosi, like, vampire. Like, he's got, like, the, the cape. But it's, like... It's, I love his cape. It's so cute. It's, it's so, so retro. It's so cute. And because they're at this con, then it's like, oh, nice, nice outfit, dude. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm a vampire. And everyone's like, nice. And he's like, no, really, I'm a vampire. Um, but then they're in the hallway having this little moment and somebody like walks past them and bumps them. And then he accidentally bites her neck. And so, but he like freaks out and like runs out and doesn't tell her that he was a a real vampire or anything. So she wakes up the next day and 
starts realizing that like she can't see herself in the mirror and then she tells her friend Allison she's just like yeah this guy that I had a crush on like I think maybe he's a real vampire because like he bit me and now I'm having these weird experiences so them and their two little like dude friends who it's never really made clear how they know those guys like if they know them from school or what but they know them and they're at the convention um like make a list of ways to figure out if you're a vampire. <laughs> um, so they're like going through the list and not all of the th- like she doesn't have her fangs yet. So it's kind of like, huh, what's going on? Um, and then that day they find out that Nancy Drew is missing and, um, and Kate like remembers that she'd seen her passed out, which is kind of terrifying. Um, so basically they're like, oh my gosh, it must have been a real vampire and this guy must have like killed this woman and you've got to be careful and you've got to find out how to not be a vampire. So that's how we get her into the same position as Paul where she's basically like trying to figure out how to not be a vampire. Yeah, and also there's uh, the other girl who becomes a vampire. She, you know, I kept on, by the end of the movie, I wished that the movie was about her because she's just like going through this whole thing where like the only other vampire that she knows is this guy who likes this other girl and she's constantly being left alone and like trying to figure out what being a vampire means to her and she's considering like, what if I just start like killing people and like, and of course- like maybe I'll just kill everyone at this conference <laughs> and then you know old, old boy's just like cause he's the Edward of the movie he has to be like no but like we have to be good and we have to care about people what's that What's that girl's name loved her she was great I forgot her yeah she was great like she's the one who randomly had the gun in the grocery store like there's just a lot going on with her that we don't really get answers about and I, I don't I don't know that the movie has an opinion about how we're supposed to feel about her. I do feel like she's kind of framed not as she's definitely not framed as a main character. She's definitely is that, is that Cindy? Is that who that is? Yes, Cindy. Yeah, I fucking loved her. Yeah, I thought <laughs> she was great. Cindy, Cindy was very headstrong. Like if I could rewrite it, I would have Allison and Cindy be like the main. <laughs> Oh, yeah, totally. The thing about Cindy that's interesting is that she made me think about True Blood because um, I, I watched I watched True Blood for way longer than anyone really needs to. And there's this whole thing where uh, basically Bill gets in trouble for like loving humans too much because he loves okay. And he, like, kills for her, and then he has to go in front of the vampire authority. And it's, like, it's interesting. It's just, like, this, like, weird, like, junkyard where they're just, like, sitting on cars. But anyway, so the vampire authority is, like, okay, if you want to prove that you're a real vampire, you have to, like, turn this, like teenage girl and so like bill has to bite this teenage girl and then jessica and then jessica has to go through this whole journey of like being a teenager being a vampire dealing with bill who is in love with Sookie, so she so he doesn't have the time to take care of her and so she's just like kind of just like fucking around messing around like you know, biting people, you know, falling in love. Like, it's that's what it made me think of. I was just like, if, it's like if there needed to be a movie about Jessica. The Jessicas of the world deserve a movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, like, 
like Paul's fine. He's a cute character, you know, but I was, yeah, I was way more interested in like Cindy's whole like struggle and um, just the fact that she wasn't in denial. Like I felt, I, you know, Paul was just like, I need to not be a vampire. And Cindy was like, how do I live? With, how do I accept being a vampire? <laughs> how do I live with this? What's a way that I can make it work for me? And they had, and it seemed like they had had this plan, like they're both going to try to, they're going to go to the panel and become unvampired, but then also like they're going to be friends for life if they have to be vampires, which I thought was kind of cute. But there was also this element of jealousy and it wasn't clear in the movie whether we're supposed to believe that Cindy has a crush on him or whether she just feels like, hey, dude, you keep abandoning me and I'm, you know, like I'm the only one who really knows how you feel because I was literally in the same position as you. Right, like, it, it's like she wants she wants to bond because they're going through this experience together, and he's so obsessed with getting out of the experience that he can't, like, provide any, like, support or comfort for her. So, he, so whenever they interact, he's just, like, telling her what to do, and she's just like, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, she's like, you don't even know what you're doing. Um... I mean, yes, like the movie, I feel like once Kate is bitten and then she's like, it's one of the funniest things to me is how chill her friends are with the fact that she's a vampire. <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, I guess you're a vampire now. What's it Everybody, like? Everybody, everyone is so chill. It's so, it's. <laughs> they don't really seem afraid of her. They're just kind of like, weird. Can you show us? <laughs> um. And eventually, like, she runs into Paul again, and Paul is, like, apologizing, and she's like, stay away from me. And he's like, no, I really didn't mean to. I like you. I would never want to hurt anyone. Like, I didn't mean to bite you. We still have time to go to this panel to learn how to not be vampires. And she's like, well, what about Nancy Drew? Didn't you kill Nancy Drew? And then he's like, oh, no, no, I swear it wasn't me. And then he's basically like, that must be Cindy. <laughs> So, so uh, Kate and Paul go to this panel, which is where, as we already mentioned, Harry Knowles is talking about the reality of vampires. And Harry Knowles' yeah. character is basically just like, vampires aren't romantic, they're not sexy, they're monsters, and like... Stay he away just, from that. He just, he just sounds like he just sounds like a guy that's just like, Ugh. like I miss when like like when men were men, when vampires were monsters. Like I remember like having conversations with men at the time where they're just like vampires are monsters, and people are forgetting that they're monsters. Just like so, it's and, like, and it's, it's like, like vampires don't exist, you stupid bitch. Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like what vampire is stupid. Stealing your girlfriend from you. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, if you are into someone who would rather be in a relationship with a fictional vampire than you, then you know what? It was never meant to be. <laughs> like, just let it go. Yeah, it's just so, uh, just people just the sanctity of the vampire. You know, no one's ever done all this hand-wringing about werewolves, but I guess there's no, like, I guess there isn't a lot of, like, movies about I feel no. like there's not much stuff that's just about werewolves. Yeah, or like, yeah, werewolves always come up later. Like, it starts with vampires, and then they're like, okay, now we're throwing in some witches. Now we're throwing in some werewolves. That's why I like Teen Wolf. <laughs> I just get a werewolf story. I am I am actually working on a werewolf story. So now that I say that, a lot of people are going to have to We need that. 
We do. We need more werewolf stories. I, I do believe that. Yeah, so, I mean, man, like, you I know, know. It's, it's, actually, it's actually nice that we don't have a ton to say and that w- most of what we say is, like, I think pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, it's teenagers making it, and there's a lot of good instincts but it's also it's also hard to make a really good movie when you don't have all of the resources, you know, yeah. and when you don't have a whole crew. I think it's really easy to forget from the other side how many people had to be involved to make a movie, even one that we think is bad. But to make a movie that looks like a movie. Um, and so when you don't have that, that's that's really, really hard. Um, but. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just so impressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just imagining making something at that age that was that long. Like, I remember how hard it was to make short stuff and, like, how much work and, like, trying to direct, trying to edit, all of that. Like, that's a lot of work. And it's really fun, but it's also really hard. Um, and so doing that for an hour and a half movie... Honestly, the fact that I was able to follow plot at all, like, is impressive. Um... It ends, it ends with uh, Paul and Cindy end up dying. Um, and that means that Kate is able to turn back into a non-vampire. And so then she's really sad about Paul dying because they had forged this connection. And after he told her that, you know, he didn't kill Nancy Drew, then her feelings kind of bubbled back for him. And then it ends with her being with the bull cut, like lifeguard guy who's, who's, he's a sweet character, but it feels kind of random for them to end up together at the end. Well, like, I think that like it, it, part of it is that he's not that strong of an actor, but I could tell like in the scenes that he is in, like with his eyes that he's into her. But I think that like, it, it was just a failure of that actor to properly uh, express his yearning for her. But yeah, I think I think that so. was like the subtext. Yeah, because there is a scene with him and Paul alone. Like they're at like a dance at the con, and and uh, bull cut guy is like, "Do you? How do you know Kate?" And Paul's like, "Oh, I don't really know her." And, and I think that's supposed to be the scene that tells us how much bull cut guy likes her. Um, and like the, the last scene is like bull cut guy and Kate, and bull cut guy's like, "He would have wanted you to move on." And they're like sitting, and it's like a sunset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just like it's it's like a little i actually really like that that ending shot i think that it was real i think that it yeah, was i cool. thought that was really sweet um yeah and i mean i yeah i don't think i i'm not gonna tell anyone to watch this because it is really hard to follow in a lot of ways um and so and i would just feel kind of it w- I think it would be a little too far for me to be like, yeah, go ahead and watch it. Because it's it's not, if she wasn't 19, then I wouldn't be so nice about it. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's, it's there's, not a good there's really no, get, there's no getting around that. Like, her yeah. being 19 has so much to do it's, with why we're being yeah. so kind about it. But it's not I, a good movie experience. It's like the acting and the the filming and, you know, it's really rough. It's like watching an hour and a half student video. Um, so, oh yeah, big student film energy here. Yeah, this is but film. that being said, like, like we see like all of the intention, and we recognize how hard it is to make anything, especially at that age. And like we think it's awesome that Emily has continued to make work, because um, 
that's how you see that's how you see your visions through you know you continue to make work so i'm really glad that the horror community has been so like receptive of her i mean showing up in these anthologies i believe like i think signifies a sense of support for her and her work like she didn't just like fizzle out and i love that this this you know i mean we talk often about how there aren't enough female directors that are getting support. So the fact that she was a 19 year old female director and she's, she's been given support and she's continued to make work and she wasn't just like edged out of the industry is really awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know her, but I'm like, just like oddly proud. And like, I'm just like, okay, I'm happy about this. this is fine. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't watch it, but like, watch her other stuff. Like, you know, yeah, watch, package, watch, maybe watch, on Shutter. watch oh. something that she made in the last five years. Yeah. Like scare packages on shutter. It's got a bunch of like different um, films in there. You know, I'm sh- it's an anthology. It's not very, just watch that. See, see what she's doing now. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure that she's, she's doing more polished work now. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just, and just, we appreciate all of y'all and we're going to continue doing somewhat thematic films the rest of October. So buckle up, um, you know, lock the doors against all the ghosts. Um, and, our uh, theme song is by Clutch Douglas. You can find us on all of the streaming platforms. We love reviews. We love you. We're going to be doing um, more requests in November. So if you have a request on deck and you're like, oh, did they forget about me? We did not. We promise we're going to get to it. If you are a patron and you haven't made a request and you are on the tier to make requests, please do. Um, if we don't get to it, you know, this year we'll get to it in January. We'll kick off with some requests. So, uh, I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. And bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Uh, yeah. Back it up. Back it up. Let's dump this truck. Uh, yeah. Back it up. Back it up. Bye.